Hello, and welcome to the Dr. Jocker's Functional Nutrition Podcast, the show designed to give you science-based solutions to improve your health and life. I'm Dr. David Jockers, doctor of natural medicine, chiropractor, and functional nutrition practitioner, and I'm the host of this podcast. I'm here to tell you that your body was created to heal itself, and on this show, we focus on strategies you can apply today to heal and function at your best. I'm excited about today's podcast, but before we jump in, I wanted to remind you to download this month's special gift at drjockersgift.com. From keto meal plans, smoothie recipes, to fasting quick start guides, we have a new complimentary gift every single month. To get your gift, simply visit drjockersgift.com. That's D-R-J-O-C-K-E-R-S-G-I-F-T.com. Thanks for spending time with me, and let's go into the show. This podcast is sponsored by Perfect Keto. Guys, if you are interested in a great tasting keto-friendly bar with ingredients you can actually trust, you've got to try these Perfect Keto bars. The ingredients are things like almond butter, cacao butter, collagen protein, organic cocoa or cacao, coconut oil, and it uses sunflower lecithin, which is actually really good for helping bile flow, and it's flavored with stevia. It tastes amazing. So gluten-free, dairy-free, no added sugars, preservatives, or artificial ingredients. They've got some amazing flavors. I really love the almond butter brownie. That is great. The chocolate chip cookie dough is fantastic. They also have a great salted caramel and a lemon poppy seed. These keto bars are a pre-made keto dessert without the guilt. I mean, think about it like an energy bar that tastes like a treat and supports your soft tissue recovery because of the collagen peptides that are in there. They also support, those peptides also support your skin, your hair, your nails, and your gut health. So remember, all natural ingredients, balanced keto macros, only three grams of net carbs, no sugar alcohols that can cause bloating and cramping, no artificial sweeteners, no dairy, no corn fiber. A lot of people have issues with corn fiber spiking their blood sugar, even though it's a fiber. No high carbohydrate binders like dates, honey, or chicory root fiber that a lot of other companies use that can also detrimentally impact your blood sugar. So a lot of things are out there marketed as keto, but if you actually test your blood sugar, you'll have issues. And, I, and the developers of this, Perfect Keto, they actually rigorously tested this and went through over 14 different iterations to make sure this product will not spike your blood sugar. So if you want to try these out, which I would highly recommend, go to www.perfectketo.com forward slash Dr. Jockers. So again, that's www.perfectketo.com forward slash Dr. Jockers. Use the coupon code Dr. Jockers, D-R-J-O-C-K-E-R-S, to save 15% off of these today. I know you'll love these. You should get more than one box because you are going to love these. Um, you're just going to really, really enjoy them. Great for snacks, great for uh, consuming them after meals, uh, for travel, all different types of things. So check them out today. Hey friends, this podcast is actually an interview that I did a few years ago for a project I worked on called the Keto Edge Summit. 
the Keto Edge Summit was basically where I interviewed, I think it was like 36, 40 of the top keto experts in the world. We talked about all things keto. We talked about how to get the best results out of the diet. We talked about biohacking strategies to do to help improve your digestive system, to help improve your brain health, your energy, and really get the most out of life. And so this interview is with one of my good friends who is an expert in many different areas. And you'll see as we, as we dive into this topic, just uh, just how deep we go and the quality of the content that you get. And so just a reminder, this is uh, roughly, you know, this is, I think I did these interviews in like 2017, 2018, so a few years old, but uh, the content is just as relevant and uh, I know that it will make a difference in your life. So you will enjoy this content. And uh, if you wouldn't mind just leaving us a rating or review, your reviews really, really count. They mean the world to us and uh, they help us get seen by more people. So if you just go to your Apple iTunes player and uh, rate us and leave a review, that will really help us uh, just be able to help more people and get this information out to the masses. Thank you for doing that and enjoy the podcast. Hey, welcome everybody back to the Keto Edge Summit. This is your host, Dr. David Jockers, and really excited about this interview because we're going to dive into the topic of mold toxicity and mold illness. And this is an epidemic in our society. Uh, so many people have mold exposure, whether it's in their house or like we're going to talk about with Evan today, in your food, in the food that you're actually consuming. We're going to talk about how a ketogenic lifestyle can be part of the solution to helping you reduce your mold exposure helping you improve your health. And so my guest is my friend, Evan Brand, who is a functional medicine doctor. He has an awesome podcast. If you're interested in functional medicine, diving deep into labs, looking at different body parts, whether it's healing your, your gut, overcoming chronic infections, mold illness, definitely check out his podcast. Evan, that's just the Evan Brand podcast. Is that correct? That's right. Yes, sir. Yeah, absolutely. That's what you want to check out. And so Evan, thanks so much for being part of the Keto Edge Summit here. Thanks for having me. I was glad to help promote this thing last year. And then I'm honored to be able to, to speak on it because I feel like many people are feeling better. They're seeing the benefits of being in ketosis. And now I have more reasoning of why I feel so darn good in ketosis. And so I got to give credit where credit's due a book that really turned me on to using ketogenic diets to help with mold illness, uh, candida, parasite infections, bacterial overgrowth. I mean, really all these gut issues, they all kind of are just different flavors of the same dysfunction, you know, leaky gut, inflammation, uh, food sensitivities, etc. cetera. Uh, so Dr. Neil Nathan, uh, he's a medical doc. He wrote a really good book called Toxic. And that was a book I came across uh, after figuring out that I was uh, dealing with a mold issue. And he talks about using ketogenic diets to help people recover. And he talks about how, uh, as you and I were kind of chatting about off air, certain people are going to feel better on lower carb. And then some people are going to need to go all the way and go ketosis. And it really just depends on how inflamed their brain is, how irritated their gut is what is going to be the secret recipe or kind of this reference range of carbohydrate, if you will, for them to succeed. And I'll just say personally, what I'm noticing is I feel much, much less brain fog when I'm running on ketones as opposed to running on glucose. And so for me, you know, I had significant brain fog over the last six months to a year. I had a, I've done an immense amount of suffering, you know, through my exposure to mold 
and I had dizziness and all sorts of other symptoms, blood pressure changes, sleep issues, gut issues, et cetera. And I'll tell you, staying with this low carb keto lifestyle, it's really been to me like the foundation. And if I go off the rocker, I feel it and I'll pay the price for several days. Yeah, so fascinating. And, and obviously, you've been through a lot. And I'd love for you to share more about your story, how you got into functional medicine, and then this recent bout here with, with mold illness. Yeah, so it's really been 10 years now that I've been playing around with herbs and using food as medicine and all that. First, of course, trying to fix my own issues with irritable bowel. I got diagnosed with IBS from different medical doctors and went through the whole the ringer that most people listening have gone through where you get referred to a gastro doctor and you speak with them and they may do some uh, diagnostic things like having you drink a barium drink and then you do an x-ray and they look at your gut and try to determine whether you have ulcers and then they recommended doing endoscopy and colonoscopy but I had already knew even a decade ago that there was a big risk of picking up infections from doing just routine uh, diagnostic procedures because these endoscopes, you know, they're often contaminated with bacteria and pathogens from the previous person that they stuck it down. So there's a big issue with this in the medical world where you go into the hospital for a procedure and you leave with an infection you didn't have when you got there. I'll kind of bring that up again later because there's this big candida aureus, I think you pronounce it. I think it's spelled A-U-R-A-S, candida aureus. It's a big outbreak and the CDC is freaking out because we have hundreds of people dying across the U.S. right now from this tropical strain of candida and the doctors can't treat it because the antifungal drugs have been so overused and abused that we're seeing antifungal resistance just like we're seeing with antibiotic resistant. So that's just a little side tangent, but my story was I got a bunch of prescriptions written for me like acid blocking medications and other uh, antispasmatic drugs for my gut. And I denied all those prescriptions because I knew just intuitively at that time, before I even had the term functional medicine in my head, uh, I knew even then that uh, inherently this is not a deficiency of medication causing this problem. And so I took out dairy and I took out gluten out of my diet and I immediately got about 80% better. And then long story short, 10 years ago, up until the present, I had H. pylori, which is a really common bacterial infection that damages the parietal cells. This reduces your stomach acid, which then allows bacterial overgrowth to flourish, allows candida to flourish. So I had those issues to be eradicated. I also had parasite issues. I lost 25 pounds without trying. I thought I had cancer. Luckily, I didn't. I had parasites. And then I got exposed to uh, dental infections. That was another big piece of my, my journey. I got my wisdom teeth extracted. And there's an infection called cavitation, which is in your jawbone. Most surgeons don't remove the membrane when they remove your wisdom teeth. So anyone listening who's had extractions or had root canals, they leave these membranes in your gum. And when they seal you back up with stitches, that membrane rots and turns your bone into necrotic tissue. So I literally had black, necrotic, dying, dead, decaying jawbone that had to be scooped out. And that fixed my heart palpitations and blood pressure issues. So that was like a couple years ago. And then most recently, the recent, you know, next chapter was mold exposure. And this was through breathing in through a water damaged building. And I had tons of different issues like dizziness that, that I didn't know about until our mutual friend, Dr. Jack Wolfson. I texted him one day. I said, Jack, I'm waking up dizzy. What's going on? And my blood pressure is going crazy. And he said, it's mold, Evan. I was like, there's no way. It's a brand new house. 
but we tested and confirmed that we did have a mold issue. So we remediated the issue, fixed all the problems. We got out of the house just because we had basically trauma from it. We're like, okay, we don't want to be here anymore. And so now we moved into a new home and I'm on the recovery journey now, which we could talk about if you want to. Yeah, I would love to talk about that. You know, mold is such a big issue and I've dealt with, with clients with mold as well. And oftentimes it's not the first thing we think about, right? Just like with you talking to, you know, texting Jack, you were just thinking, well, it can't be mold. I don't see any mold. I don't smell it. Okay. So how would somebody go about knowing that they may be having a mold related issue? Yeah, good question. This is part of my initial intake now. So with every new client, you know, we go over a big series of symptoms and questions and we try to gather as much clinical information as we can. And so part of that intake now is asking about these different symptoms like have you had dizziness? Have you had joint pain, ears ringing, swollen lymph nodes, chemical sensitivity issues, etc. And if any of these people check off these symptoms, there's a whole list of like 50, but I won't bore you with all of them. Um, vision changes was another I was having these like floaters kind of blurry vision where I would try to focus on something, but I couldn't. It seemed like my depth perception was a bit off. The eye doctor's like, nope, your vision's great. It's not that. So we knew that it was mold. And so if anybody indicates these symptoms, then we run some plate testing. Uh, I use a company called Immunolytics, I-M-M-U-N-O, Lytics, so Immunolytics out of Albuquerque. And it's these little plates, these little Petri dishes. Now, some may argue before I explain this, some may argue plate testing is not as efficient or as effective as doing the ERMI and the Hurts Me and some of these other Dr. Richie Shoemaker recommended tests. However, I've done this hundreds of times with clients since then, and the plates are a very cost-effective way to determine if you have a problem in your home or your office where you work. And so you put the plate on the ground for an hour, you tape it up, you send it back to the lab for analysis, and we watch what grows. And you get a health score. And you want a health score of four colonies of mold, which is normal to have mold, but you don't want it to be insane. So four or less is good. We've had clients in the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, and these people are chronically, chronically ill, sinus infections, joint pain, multiple autoimmune diseases, et cetera. And they don't have a clue why they've been to 10 functional medicine doctors and they haven't got better on all these thousands of dollars of supplements and protocols. And it's because the biggest smoking gun of all hasn't been addressed, which is their environment. You can't get well in a sick environment, no matter how good your diet, no matter how good your supplement protocol. And I had to learn this the hard way. So we do the plates and then we run the urine. There's several different companies out there that run urine samples for mycotoxins, which are the, think of it as the poop of the mold. So it's not the mold that makes you sick. It's the mycotoxins they produce. So it's kind of like, you know, measuring the tailpipe of your car. You know, you're kind of measuring the emissions of the mold in your body. And a lot of times we have people do a week of glutathione first to mobilize the mycotoxins and to push them out through the urine so that we get a more accurate result. We found that if we didn't do a provocation, that the result actually looked better for the client, meaning the numbers were lower but then if we retested months later into the protocol, then the levels would show much higher. And so we were finding that we were just seeing the tip of the iceberg, where now when we're using the mobilizers like glutathione, acetylated or liposomal, we're seeing a far better result. So that's kind of like the testing. How do you figure out if you have a problem? Worst case scenario, you spend money on plates and you spend money on a urine test and you're fine. But that's rarely the case. And you're doing that urine test through Great Plains Lab? Yes, Great Plains Lab is who I'm using. Yeah. I like it because it's a little bit cheaper 
Then uh, real-time laboratories, they also do a urinary mycotox panel, but it's like double the price. And the cool thing is uh, you and I both have a mutual love for organic acids testing. And so we can run an organic acids testing, a chemical profile, and a mycotox all on one urine sample. So in terms of data, I mean, we get literally over 100 data points with somebody, and that can really, really help us determine, you know, how do we start working on someone? How do you prioritize these issues that we found? Yeah, and this is really key, and, and you brought up the organic acid test. The interesting thing there, too, is you can actually see some mold or yeast or fungal markers on that. You also are going to look at some mitochondrial markers, and when people have a lot of damage to mitochondria, it's harder for them to get into ketosis and actually use ketones, uh, be able to produce them and use them. So that's also a great marker to run with it. Yeah, there's a whole ketone fatty acid section on the organic acids, too, so we can actually see if someone... It's, I mean, it's not perfect. I still prefer to do some actual, you know, uh, ketone monitoring, but you can look at the urine and if you see elevated levels of certain markers on here, we can see, hey, this person looks like they're in ketosis. But the problem is with the organic acids for looking at whether they're in ketosis or not is some of these biomarkers may indicate other things like a carnitine deficiency. So then you get kind of confused. You're like, well, is it because they're doing good with ketosis or is it because they, they don't have enough carnitine because you know, carnitine is an amino acid that comes from meat. And we know based on their H. pylori infection that showed up on their stool test, they don't have enough hydrochloric acid to digest the meat. So then you're kind of, you're kind of getting confused. So I still think you can monitor ketones in better ways, but the oat is just really, really cool to see overall how someone digesting. Yeah, for sure. And, and usually the sign that somebody's in ketosis is they actually feel really good, especially they can go longer periods of time without food and their, their brain feels good. They don't have hunger, cravings, things like that. So if they're not having that and you're seeing the ketones elevated there, maybe some issues like the carnitine, uh, like you were talking about there. So carnitine, you need that to help shuttle the fatty acids into the mitochondria. So they may have issues with that. They may have other issues where they have high stress hormones that are causing them to be kind of in this constant cycle of sugar burning, even though they're trying to become more fat adapted, their body's just not, it's not efficient and flexible enough. There's not that metabolic flexibility enough to, to be able to do that. But in general, like you were talking about, going on this low carb ketogenic template has really helped you with the mold. Let's talk about that, how that's helped. Yeah, well, like I said, mainly the mental clarity piece of it, just because one of the big symptoms is uh, confusion. Uh, you lose your words a lot, which I speak every day, all day for a living. So I better have my voice and brain working correctly. And so for me, being lower carbohydrates help my brain to stay focused, even though I can feel all day while I'm working with clients, I can feel the detox working. When I when I hit hit that glutathione an hour later, it's like, woof, here comes the wave. You got to ride the wave. So then I'll go do my binders and then the binders kick in and you can feel the wave there. So it's just helping me to have it's it's basically the same benefit that you get with your glucose right where you have less of a blood sugar roller coaster you have maybe a little kitty roller coaster where you have slight drops in glucose and then slight elevations versus very big spikes and then crashes with glucose you know that affects the brain as well so i think i think part of this is really just minimizing the the blood sugar swings is probably the best reason of why my brain is working so good and then of course you're reducing inflammation, right? Because I guess it's kind of annoying really what the what the corporations have done though to, to the ketogenic 
diet and lifestyle, just like they did to paleo five years ago, is now you've got all these bars out on the market where, you know, you had like Lauren Cordain, who kind of touted himself as like the expert or the inventor of paleo diet. And then you get his uh, Cordain bar, and it was like 25 grams of sugar. And it was like a paleo bar with the picture of a woolly mammoth on the on the label. And it was like full of like dates and, and, and other garbage, right? So now we're seeing the same thing with, with the ketogenic diet. And, you know, some of our friends and mutual friends and acquaintances in the space, they're promoting a lot of these different products on the market that are really distracting from the idea of eating real food. So it's, you know, buy this keto shake, buy this keto powder, buy this keto bar, et cetera, which I'm all game for. If you're busy, you're on the go, you got to have a product to help you to supplement the lifestyle. But when it gets to a point where people are replacing meals and instead of eating a nice grass-fed pastured meat with some vegetables and maybe some butter and some good spices and et cetera, or nice Celtic sea salt or a Himalayan salt on their meal. And instead they're like, yeah, I ate this keto bar or I did this keto shake where you just buy this powder at Whole Foods and throw it in with water. It's like, we're getting away from the point, which is real food. The, peop- the thing people need to realize is there's just far more profit and, and I sell supplements too. You know, I make money selling supplements. So I'm saying this as someone who's in the industry and business, there's more money to be made on selling a keto powder versus selling a grass fed steak. So just yeah. use those products. Cause I use those products personally, but make sure you still have the foundation in of you're eating real food two to three times, you know, a day, depending on the person I have to eat more often because I've noticed the adrenal stress of skipping a meal has been too much for me with this issue. So I've had to, add an extra meal where before I was okay at two meals. Now I'm back up to three. Yeah. Yeah. And that's common with the sort of mold illness that you're dealing with because you've got this constant stress going on. And that's a big principle. When we talk about getting keto adapted, one of the big keys is reducing stress on the body. Now, three meals a day is a lot better than what a lot of people are doing where they're eating every three hours or something like that. Five, six meals a day. They're constantly getting that insulin spike. So three meals, you kind of gap it out, hydrate in between, you're going to cause basically a lot less overall insulin being released. And therefore, in between those meals, your body's going to start utilizing those ketones, especially somebody thin like you, um, that's, you know, basically got this fast metabolism, you're going to start doing that. The more insulin resistant somebody is, the harder time they're going to, they're going to get at, at basically being able to produce the ketones. So they may need to reduce the amount of meals that they're consuming to reduce the overall amount of insulin. But uh, when you're dealing with something like some sort of chronic stressor, like uh, like mold illness in this case, right? Definitely spacing those meals out, keeping your adrenal stress mitigated, right? Getting it to a level we always have some stress, but getting it to a level at where we can adapt effectively is is key here. Now, I know in the beginning we were talking a little bit about mycotoxins and mold in food. Okay, and you were talking about how basically a ketogenic lifestyle helps remove a lot of these things. So let's go into more detail about that. Yeah, so, and I don't know, I don't even know if we were recording at that point, but I was telling you, I think the reason so many people feel so good uh, going with a lower carb or maybe even a ketogenic diet is because they're removing a lot of these foods which are contaminated with these mycotoxins. So for example, there's a common one called Zierra-Lanone, Zierra-Lanone, Z-E-A for short, and this is a mycotoxin produced by the mold species Fusarium, and this has been shown to damage the kidneys, the liver, it damages the immune system. Uh, there's some studies showing it's a, it's a carcinogen, so causes cancer. 
Now, most people are getting exposed to mycotoxins just based on being in a water damaged building. So let's just say that right away. The biggest exposure is breathing in a water damaged building. If you look at some of the statistics that the US EPA and CDC provides, you know, they're talking 50, 70, some crazy high number percent of buildings in the US have a water event or have had a water event, you know, over the last three years. So basically every building's moldy pretty much. I mean, uh, even my friend in Albuquerque, New Mexico, where the humidity level is only like seven or 9%, where here in Kentucky and, you know, where you are in the South, it's like 70, 80% humidity. It's ridiculous. It's like a swamp. You know, we have a much more higher incidence of mold based on the testing I've done of people in you know, Kentucky and in the South versus the West, we do see Southwest, we do see generally less mold because of less humidity. However, here, this guy is in the desert and he went and visited some of these old, uh, uh, what would you call them? Not antique stores, but like history museums and such. And he felt terrible. He's like, those buildings are definitely moldy. So, so that's where you get your main exposure, but then the food is number two. So for example, xerilinone, this mycotoxin is in wheat, it's in barley, it's in rice and it's in corn. And so if you think about someone that's farming and they take the wheat and the wheat is moist and it doesn't dry out within 48 hours, it's going to have mold growth. Now with okra toxin, this is another one that I have in my body. Okra toxin also comes from uh, water damaged buildings, primarily aspergillus and penicillium. But this is what the lab tells us right here. They say here, Exposure from contaminated foods would be cereals, which there's the grain again, right? Your oats and your wheat and barley. So cereal, grapes and grape juices, dairy, spices, wine. So a lot of people may be drinking wine that's contaminated. Think about it. You got dried grapes. How long did it take those grapes to dry out? If it took too long, those grapes grow mold. Mold puts off mycotoxins. And then also it says coffee. So Dave Asprey's done a good job of educating people about mold and coffee by promoting his brand. There's other brands out there though, besides his that have tested uh, coffee and shown that there's no mycotoxin problem. The brand Purity, Purity Coffee, their organic certification, which Bulletproof is not, and they also test for mycotoxins. I don't have affiliation with them. I don't even drink coffee, but I have read and recommended that to clients and they've had good success. So. Why am I bringing this up in food? Well, because you know you could test your house and you show it perfectly fine, but then I look at your urine and I'm like, okay, well, you either previously lived in a moldy house or you didn't test your office and you work in a mold, moldy building or that glass or two of wine that you drink every night is messing you up. So I think there's multiple sources that have to be acknowledged. Yeah, this is so important. Uh, you know, Being a ketogenic advocate, I've seen so many people, it's like, Roughly 50 to 60% of people, they get started on a ketogenic template and they feel better pretty, pretty quickly. They lose weight, their brain functions better, energy is better. But then you've got this 40 to 50% that seem to struggle. And um, you know, that 40 to 50%, it may have to do with something like mold illness or some sort of chronic infection or something that you've got to dig deeper. Your body's creating too much stress. There's too much stress hormone for your body to be able to metabolically adapt and become more metabolically flexible, where it's able to burn fat effectively for fuel, creating these ketones, and then cycle back to burning sugar at times when you're under more stress. And so it's constant, constantly 
needing more sugar. And when you go on a lower carb diet, you're obviously breaking down your glycogen, so your glycogen levels lower. And now you've got less sugar available, so you feel terrible. And I think this is really, really important. So I love how simple you express that to people. And I just want to say it back to people so they, yeah. they get it through their head, which is the fact that if you have too much stress in your bucket, you're going to have a harder time adapting to this. So if you're one of those people listening, and you're like, Dr. Jockers, look, I went keto. You know, I didn't lose weight. I didn't have all these miraculous effects that you talk about. Why not? Well, because there's a rock that hasn't been overturned. There's a source of stress that has not been acknowledged or found yet. And that's why if you work with a practitioner that's doing a good workup on you, hopefully they'll find that. So maybe they'll find the candida, they'll find the mold, they'll find the parasites, they'll find the adrenal uh, dysfunction where cortisol is too low or too high or it's an inverse pattern or you've got micronutrient deficiencies or you've got a bad boss or a bad spouse, you've got bad relationships constantly keeping you in fight or flight because you're worried your boss is going to come over your shoulder and yell at you or fire you or you're in a marriage that you know you don't need to be in but you're financially dependent on the other person so you're stuck in the marriage I mean I can't tell you how often we discuss relationship issues and I'm not um, you know a relationship counselor but this comes up in conversation when you're doing an assessment on somebody and you find out their biggest source of stress is their husband it's like uh okay, we got to fix that. You know, this keto lifestyle may not work if you still got this guy around. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we got to look at physical, chemical, mental, emotional stressors, right? So maybe they got in a car accident or they're sitting with really bad posture all day long. I mean, that could be a factor. You've got mental, emotional issues, like you're talking about bad relationships. You've got chemical factors like mold, like chronic infections, like just being exposed to a lot of toxins. Maybe you're living in an area where maybe they just did paint in your house or in your office and you've got VOCs coming right out of that and stressing your body. So yeah, you've got to look at your overall stress load, your stress bucket, like Evan was saying, and really address that. And that's where working with somebody like Evan himself can help you identify what's causing the issue, what's the root cause, and, and starting to address that. So really, really good stuff. Guys, I just want to interrupt this podcast to tell you about one of my favorite superfood chocolate powders. It's called Cacao Bliss. You see, cacao is unprocessed chocolate, and it is rich in neuroactive alkaloids that boost dopamine, serotonin, and endorphins. These are your feel-good neurotransmitters that really make you feel alive and well and it's also rich in polyphenols like EGCG, which we think about when we think of green tea. That helps protect your brain and your body from oxidative stress, helps you age more effectively and feel better than ever. And my favorite brand of cacao powder is Cacao Bliss because they use 100% organic cacao beans that are naturally kissed by the sun, which allows them to maintain their full integrity of powerful health benefits. They blend it with turmeric, one of the most powerful anti-inflammatory herbs on the planet. They put in MCT oil and coconut, Himalayan sea salt, cinnamon, and black pepper, and they sweeten it with monk fruit, which is an all-natural sweetener that does not impact your blood sugar. And those compounds like cinnamon, MCT oil, really help stabilize your blood sugar. So this is a fantastic powder you can put in almond milk, coconut milk, you can put it in your protein shakes, you can use it for baking if you're making chocolate muffins or a chocolate cake or making a chocolate protein shake like I do almost every single day. This is a fantastic mix to throw in there. It's gonna help enhance your mood, your memory and your mindset and really help you experience pure bliss. 
That's why they call it Cacao Bliss. So guys, if you are a chocolate lover, maybe a superfood enthusiast, or just someone who wants to experience life at a higher level, I invite you to try out Cacao Bliss today. If you go to the website, earthechofoods.com forward slash David Jockers, let me spell that for you. E-A-R-T-H-E-C-H-O-F-O-O-D-S.com forward slash David Jockers. Use the coupon code David at checkout to get 15% off of the Cacao Bliss. And this is a low carb, gluten-free, GMO-free, vegan, paleo, and keto-friendly superfood powder that you will love. So try that out today. Again, use the coupon code David at checkout, earthechofoods.com forward slash David Jockers. Use the coupon code David to get 15% off today. So what would you say when somebody's starting on a ketogenic diet and lifestyle, what sort of food should they focus on that provide the most nutrient density and are least likely to have mycotoxins on them? Ooh, good point. I'm going to say the pastured meats. You know, my first instinct was like, ooh, you know, pecans. I love pecans, but I have concern with pecans and pistachios and cashews and almonds and all those potentially being a source of mycotoxins as well, unfortunately. And then also if we're talking with people with autoimmunity, a lot of times we're putting those people on like an autoimmune paleo ketogenic type protocol where they are temporarily removing nuts and seeds. So those wouldn't be in the picture. So I have to go with the pastured beets and then your organic berries, your organic broccoli, maybe your asparagus, anything that's going to contain sulfur that's going to help fuel those detox pathways. So for me, I've even had some clients so sick that they they can't even tolerate broccoli because it upregulates detoxification and they feel that they get a bad reaction from broccoli, which sounds crazy. But when you've worked with so many people and you find so many people that are sensitive the clients really teach you more than the books and they'll tell you, whoa, broccoli's detoxing me. And I'm like, whoa, is it really? And then sure enough, I mean, look on the market. We've got a bunch of broccoli extracts on the market you can give someone in capsule form to fuel detox pathways, right? So we know that this stuff works. So I would say organic veggies, I prefer lightly steaming while cooking those because a lot of our clients and people listening, they have gut issues, so they may not do well with salads or raw leafy greens. I personally don't. I don't eat many raw greens. I cook or lightly steam most of them. And then your pastured meats. And of course, you got to have the pastured word in there too, because if you're eating just like a grain-fed cattle, or let's just say it was a grass-fed but grain-finished cattle, I have an issue with that because what's the health of those grains? Were those grains, were they contaminated? Because if you're eating a grass-fed but grain-finished animal, we know that those mycotoxins transfer to the meat. And when you eat that meat, you're eating the mycotoxins. So for me, I want 100% grass fed. I don't want it to just say grass fed on the label. And since, you know, grass fed is becoming so popular, same thing is with like paleo bars and stuff. The food industry is kind of corrupting that term. So you really have to ask the question now, okay, it's grass fed, but is it finished on grass as well? Because a lot of times to add extra fat and to get the animals bigger so that they can make more money, they'll add grain into the mix at the end, but that might necessarily not be on the label. So I think it's annoying to have to be 
this picky and specific with your food, but that's just the reality of it. And I embrace it because I like talking with people at the farmer's market or just going on the website. There's one called local harvest. You can look up, just Google local harvest. You put in your zip code, type in chicken. You're going to find some guy that does chickens the right way and you can go get local pastured chicken or local pastured beef or lamb or whatever you like. And so I think embracing uh, your local community is important as opposed to just going to Whole Foods and getting the organic beef there. Nothing wrong with that. I just like to know, hey, my beef only traveled like 30 miles down the road versus a lot of these big supermarkets that are carrying grass-fed beef now. Uh, It's all food that is from the Amazon rainforest in Brazil where we're cutting down massive amounts of rainforest to replace it with uh, cattle farms so that we can sell grass-fed beef because the demand has grown so much. And I saw an article the other day about that that said that if it says product of USA, that doesn't mean that the cow was actually raised in the USA. It's if they package it in the USA. So you could be eating Brazil meat or New Zealand meat or whatever, Australia, and then now you're paying you know, for an airplane to fly that meat across the world. So if we're just thinking like, hey, I want to be healthy, but I also want to take care of my planet, getting a local product is going to be far better. Yeah, I think that's a great point. Creating a relationship with a local farmer or farmer's group, farmer's market can be really, really helpful. And, you know, these are small business owners. So, you know, they, they want to know what the consumer wants, right? And so um, you can help drive what the kind of products that you want, especially getting a group, a community group around your area uh, can be a really, you know, you can be a really great voice for helping farmers steer their, their production in the right way. So it's a great point. Now let's talk about like how to set up a meal plan for a low mycotoxin because ultimately we can't get rid of mycotoxins altogether, but we can certainly consume a lower mycotoxin load in a ketogenic style way so we can get the benefits here. I mean, if you have foods like coconut, for example, which has uh, antifungals in it, believe it or not, so it can be really good for helping reduce candida, and that can certainly be used. What are your thoughts on uh, like doing a protein shake or something like that using coconut milk or something along those lines? Yeah, I'm a huge fan. I use it as a supplement though, right? So if I do a protein shake, I'm still going to eat a breakfast. So it may be like a pasture sausage or a handful of pecans with it, a handful of blueberries. That's what I did today. So I think with the coffee piece, so many people drink coffee. My wife, she loves it. I just, I don't know. I don't see what the, what the benefit is. Everybody else is going to shake their head at me, but I'm okay without coffee. You know, I feel good. My energy is sustainable without it. I find a lot of people are they think that they have true energy, but they don't. It's like a fake energy from coffee. And when we pull it out for a month to let their gut rest, they're like, oh my God, I'm tired. I didn't know how exhausted I was. So if you're going to do coffee, let's start, let's just go through the full day real quick. So if you're going to have that morning coffee, let's make sure it's a, it's a high quality coffee that has been tested for mycotoxins and you're not contributing to damaging your kidneys by drinking ochratoxin every morning. So that's step one. And then if you do a protein shake, I'm a huge fan. Um, I like to do pea proteins for a lot of people because a lot of people have gut issues and they may not tolerate whey protein. My gut's actually to a point where I tolerate a grass-fed whey protein and I love it. So that's what I'll do is like either a grass-fed whey or uh, like a pastured collagen protein. I'll throw that in maybe add a handful of blueberries. If I'm going to do the blender, add a handful of organic blueberries, maybe a half of an avocado or a scoop of coconut oil in there. MCT oil, I know a lot of people talk about it in the community. I don't feel too good with it personally. It's not to say that you can't do it. 
I just feel better doing coconut oil versus the MCT. The MCT for me, I just feel spacey. I'm just like, whoa, I'm just out of my mind on it. So I just personally don't do it much. Maybe that's the ketones kicking in my brain. I don't know. I don't know what's going on, but I just, I feel better on coconut oil. So so that's what I do. And then breakfast, we already talked about that. So if you're going to do meat, make sure it's a pastured meat, not a grain fed meat. So try to do your best there. And then we talked about the cereals. So if you're going to do a cereal, make it like a paleo granola style, like where it's more nut and seed based, not so much oats and well, I don't even know what cereal is made of anymore. I don't even eat it. I guess corn, is, a lot of cereals made of corn and corn is highly contaminated with mycotoxins. Just Google corn mycotoxin. There was a big uh, study survey last year in the US, 97% of all US corn has at least one mycotoxin. So 97% of corn's contaminated. So there you go. Why is that? Well, because we're spraying glyphosate on the fields and guess what glyphosate's doing? It's damaging the microbiome of our guts, but also the soil. So then you've got, got these other mold species that are becoming more aggressive. So we're, we're, we're messing up. Stop spraying glyphosate, people, please. Uh, all right, move on. So, and then you go to lunch. So let's say you're not going to do a sandwich because you're who eats bread, right? So uh, you're going to be doing maybe a pastured meat again. And if you have to do some type of a bread, I actually found this. You might like this, Dr. Jockers. There's this cool uh, company I just found called, it's a product called Swapple, S-W-A-P-P-L-E-S. So it's a Swapple. And basically, uh, it's kind of a pun, but they're saying you're swapping bad ingredients for good ingredients. So they make these, like they look like waffles, but they're made of uh, yucca or yucca, however you pronounce it. Yeah, And so they have these waffles and they've got a cinnamon one. So it's like yucca, yucca, somebody please correct me on that. And then it's cinnamon. It's like coconut oil, sea salt, and then like a little bit of coconut palm sugar. So it's like two grams of sugar per waffle. So if you got somebody who's like, hey, I just absolutely have to have some type of a quote treat, that's a good option. But they have like a more of a plain version of that that you could use as a bread replacement. So if you wanted to do that, you could do that if you had to have like a sandwich. And then dinner, same thing. Organic meats, organic veggies. I mean, it's so simple. I think people make it more complicated than it is. That's why I haven't written a cookbook is because I feel like I would bore people with how simple I am. Like I'll do a bison steak, some organic peas with butter, and then what else? Maybe a baked sweet potato a couple days a week with some butter and cinnamon. Like, I feel like that's so boring, but that's how I eat. And I feel great that way. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, this is what we do. We'll do something like grass fed beef, um, dice up some peppers, onions, things like that. Steam up broccoli or cauliflower. We really like making cauliflower mashed potatoes and putting turmeric in there. Right. So you get the benefits of that as well. And my kids love it. Right. So they will be, you know, I've got twin three and a half year olds and a, and a newborn or a one-year-old at this point. So, um, and uh, they, they just absolutely love it. So in fact, my one-year-old will eat, that's like her favorite thing is cauliflower mashed potatoes, right? So wow. not over anything. In fact, the other day we were giving her some egg. She loves egg yolk. And so we give her that and we'll put strawberry, avocado, and collagen powder in the Ninja, blend that up. She loves that as well. It's just like a little strawberry pudding for her. So these are great things that you could be doing. You know, now, do you do you all do uh, sweet potato? I mean, for me, I love it, but I'm just guessing maybe for this audience, maybe you don't recommend sweet potatoes. Sweet potatoes are definitely higher carb. They're a healthier carb source, right? So if you're going to choose carbs or if you're going to cycle out of ketosis, which we recommend from time to time, 
uh, sweet potatoes are a great choice. For me, I typically go very low carb. I will do like one or two weeks at a time, and then I might have one or two meals where I'm doing higher carbs, right? And okay. I just notice that I feel a lot better when I do that. You know, one of my favorite carb sources that I love is cherries. I love, I'm a huge fan of cherries. I get frozen cherries, mix them with like some some uh, coconut almond butter from Maranatha Farms. I don't know if you're familiar with that, that brand. By the way, they test their nuts to make sure that they are free of uh, mold. Um, oh, beautiful. I have seen that brand before. They do a lot of raw brand. stuff too, don't they? Yeah, exactly. It's a good brand, exactly. So anyways, a lot of times I'll mix that in there and that's kind of like a little carve up, a uh, bunch of frozen cherries with some coconut almond butter. So tastes great. Nice. Now, can you find organic cherries? I, I don't really eat yeah. cherries. Maybe I should. You know, from whole, just Whole Foods, you know, just organic frozen cherries from Whole Foods. So okay. look at that. But uh, this new house we moved into, we've got a blueberry bush. So we're excited about that. Perfect. How big is it? It's pretty big. I and mean, we got a bowl of, uh, of blueberries first day we picked. Beautiful. Yeah. See, you're further south than me. So I've got two. Uh, as soon as I moved into my house, first thing I did is plant trees. I planted some 15 foot Norway spruce, make a nice wall. Uh, and then I planted two blueberry bushes. So they're only about, I would estimate they're three years old. I had like six or seven in my old house. So I had to get my blueberries back and I just picked the first handful a couple days ago. So we're getting into blueberry season, at least at the time of this recording. So it's good. It's good stuff, man. Let's talk about a little bit about some supplements that you like. You mentioned binders and glutathione. So as yeah. we finish this up, what are some good supplements for somebody that is dealing with mold illness? Yeah. So first of all, we talked about the testing. Make sure you get the clinical data first, right? Because I don't want a bunch of people going on Amazon or Whole Foods or whatever and buying every single thing I'm about to say and then saying, Evan, it didn't work. Well, Get the data first because why fix a problem if you don't know you have one? Same thing with like gut issues. People say, oh, I have parasites. I can feel them. I'm going to go take a bunch of wormwood and clove and berberine and oregano oil. Well, are you, are you sure you want to do that? Like get the, get the data. So assuming people have tested like, yep, I've got a problem. Okay. Well, even if you didn't have information, liposomal glutathione is great for anyone pretty much or an acetyl glutathione, which is what I use. I've got a product called Glutathione Pro, which is a blend. It's acetyl glutathione, which is just as good and effective as liposomal. Plus it has N-acetylcysteine in there, which is very important because NAC is an antioxidant, but it's also a glutathione precursor, meaning it's kind of the spark plug, if you will. You have to have NAC to manufacture glutathione in the liver. And so as we age we make less and less glutathione, just like we make less and less stomach acid. So as you get older, I believe it's really critical to supplement with acid, you know, hydrochloric acid and enzymes plus glutathione. And that's going to help mobilize the toxin. So I told you, when I take that glutathione, I feel the wave. Like I actually, I started to have some twitching, believe it or not. It was weird. My finger would start twitching and that's how I knew I was moving the toxins around. So guess what? You go take your binder which I use several different products, usually a combination of zeolite, bentonite, charcoal, chlorella, fulvic, and humic acids. And then all of a sudden, the twitching immediately in my finger, it immediately disappears. So it's sort of like the glutathione opens the gates and mobilizes toxins and brings them out of the tissue. And then the binders kind of grabs onto them like a catcher's mitt and pulls them out through the intestinal tract. Now, you can do too much of this. So you can do too much glutathione and feel bad. A couple of weeks ago, I called my buddy, our doctor, uh, Dr. Justin Marcajani, our mutual friend. 
I called him up because I took a dose of glutathione and I felt really good. And I thought, okay, if I feel so good, I'm going to do a double dose. And I had the worst headache of my life. So I called up Justin. I'm like, oh, help. What do I do? He's like, okay, okay. Magnesium, vitamin C, you know, extra charcoal. And, you know, I think just talking it through with him kind of helped. And so you can do too much of a good thing. So start low and slow with glutathione if you're going to do it. And then with binders, obviously start low and slow there because binders sound perfect. We're binding to the toxin, we're pulling it out, but that's not really how it works because with charcoal, it's an adsorbent. So it really, the toxin attaches onto the charcoal molecule, but you still have to drag it through the intestinal tract. So if you're somebody that has a leaky gut situation, some of those toxins are going to kind of fall off the molecule of charcoal, if you will, and get reabsorbed back into the bloodstream. So this is why I feel really good on like two capsules of charcoal at a time. But if I try to go too much with charcoal, I actually feel worse. I'm like, whoa, I did not know there was too much binding possible, mm. but there is. So I think those would be my, my top recommendations. And then also, uh, I did mention briefly the chlorella. Uh, chlorella is really good for heavy metals too. So we often use uh, Micronized Chlorella, a company called BioRay. We use their products. They're really good for kids too. So I actually have my daughter. She just turned three over the weekend. Uh, I've got my my daughter doing some micronized chlorella. We've got her on zeolite. We've got her on bentonite clay and charcoal at kid-friendly doses as well because she was breathing the same air as we were and she's smaller. So obviously her toxic burden in buckets going to fill up faster than an adult. Yeah, it's really good to know. And, uh, you know, some of those binders like charcoal, if you take too much too, it can slow down your intestinal tract. So you want to, you want to make sure you've got good gut motility, that you're, you're, you're moving your bowels well. And so too much of that can cause that issue. Um, so yeah, this is true. If, yeah. If you're not pooping daily yeah. right now, you probably need to fix that first before you go into binders. Cause I, I don't want somebody pooping once every three to four days on binders. They really need to fix yeah. that issue first. We need at least one to two poops per day. And that's not like little rabbit pellets. We need a good size stool, banana size, banana shape, banana texture, basically at least once or twice a day before we can go into the binder territory. Yeah. So good. So good. All right. So Evan, last question is what are your top five? Like if you were on a, on a deserted Island, you only got five foods. What would you bring? Oh man, this is funny. I just had this conversation with my wife yesterday. All the keto people now are going to go point fingers at me, but I love plantains. I really love plantains. Now, I don't live in a tropical environment, so I don't eat them every day, but I love plantains. There's a couple brands that make plantain strips where you can get like a palm oil with plantains. That's like mm, that's like a treat, right? Like if I'm on my deathbed and I want a, a last meal, I'm going to have some plantain strips or just sweet plantains, just you know, fresh plantains. So I really like those. Next food, it's probably going to be elk. Uh, I'm a huge fan of elk meat, especially for the good fats and good protein that you're getting. A lot of people talk about beef and beef is cool, but I like elk and I prefer the taste of it. So I'm a huge fan of elk. Now, you know, here in Eastern, uh, I'm not in Eastern Kentucky, but in Eastern Kentucky, we have the largest elk herd east of the Mississippi. So most elk are out West. We've actually got 14,000 elk in Kentucky now that have been restored since about 1997. So like 20 years ago, they started bringing in elk and now they're spreading down south towards you. So they're headed down towards the Appalachian Mountains through North Carolina, Smoky Mountains, et cetera. And so there are some hunting seasons, but you can also buy elk meat. 
that would be number two. I was in Tennessee uh, visiting my father-in-law. My, my wife and I were, and we went to uh, it's in a small town in Tennessee, Middle Tennessee. We went to this kind of community event, and they had elk burger. So nice. Did you get one? Yeah, yeah. No buns, of course. Just the elk burger. Put Good. some mustard on it, and it was great. Elk is delicious. I love the taste of it. In terms of my 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 meat preference, beef is like on the map, but then I like bison better than beef and then elk I like even better than bison. I mean, it's just phenomenal. So that would be number two. Uh, and so number three, I'm going to go with blueberries. I think there's a lot of benefits to having some antioxidants on board. I'm not saying eat a pound of them a day, but I'm saying having blueberries on hand would be a, a great strategy. Number four, well, I mean, if this is a deserted island where the soil's good enough to grow broccoli, well, let's grow some broccoli on that island. I think I'm a huge fan of anything that's going to fuel that that sulfur uh, pathway. So, and broccoli tastes good too. So, let's go with that. Number five, I'm going to say pumpkin seeds. I'm a huge fan of pumpkin seeds. Really good source of fat. Very, very nutrient dense. There's quite numerous benefits to pumpkin seeds too. So I would pick that or maybe pecans as number five. That, that would be my top five. If you gave me 10, I'd have more to play with. <laughs> Some great choices, Evan. This has been a wonderful interview. Any last words of inspiration for the listeners? I would just tell people, if you've made it this far, good job. Uh, pat yourself on the back, congratulate yourself because to find somebody like Dr. Jockers in this event is hard enough because there's so much noise out there right now. And because of the ability of the internet, it's wonderful. That's how we're able to connect and spread this information to you. But that also allows people who really don't know what they're doing or talking about, who have no clinical experience to spout out things. And so you'll find an article, ketogenic diet dangerous, or, you know, uh, red meat causes cancer. And, you know, I think, the reason that Dr. Jockers and I get along so well is that, you know, he goes into the research and he looks at what does the data say? What does his clinical experience show? And you take those two pieces of information, you combine them and you get the truth. And I think as the food industry is trying to pivot and figure out how they can profit based on all of us people not buying the processed food anymore. They're really trying to figure out what can we do to sell stuff to people. You're going to get some bad studies out there and you're going to get people that are paid off and doctors that are paid off to say this bad thing or that bad thing about a particular food group or a particular way of eating. So I would just say, uh, pay attention to what he's telling you, but also go with how you feel. If you feel good eating a grass fed steak, just because CNN news brought up an article, red meat causes cancer, you're going to die of pancreatic cancer. If you eat red meat, you need to go vegan to save the planet. Mm, maybe don't pay so much attention to that. Because the more confusion that is created, you end up with this analysis paralysis. So then you go to the grocery, you don't know what to buy, you don't know what to eat. And then you get so stressed out that you just go and eat cookies again, because you're like, well, screw it, everything's bad, I'm going to die of something. I'm just going to go eat whatever I want. And and then that's not the thing. So so that's my little small rant about that. And then, and then the second thing I'd like to say is just, if you have made it this far, you're, you're on the right track, you got to keep going there's probably not a finish line that you're going to reach where you're all of a sudden going to be happy and everything in your life is perfect. But taking this information today and applying it, finding a practitioner that can help you, getting all the puzzle pieces 
is, is the hardest step. So if you've done this, you've done that, and you've done that, and you still have issue, you still have suffering, there's more puzzle pieces to discover. So don't give up. Don't look at your suffering and say, I'm never going to get better. You know, like that negative self-talk, it's easy to do. We all do it, but it's not going to get you anywhere. So try to flip that and say, look, I've got my diet dialed in. Okay, good. This is my foundation. Now I might investigate this mold thing. Maybe, maybe Evan's on to something. I'm going to investigate this. And maybe you strike out and this isn't it, but you've got to just keep going. My journey has been a decade and, and it's still going and I'm still not out of the woods yet, right? So, you know, if you could learn anything from my suffering, it's that there is hope and rarely does it have to result in a pharmaceutical drug or a surgery. So if that's the only option you're left with, hey, you know, we've got to cut your leg off. Hey, we've got to put you on this drug. Look around, get a second opinion on that before you do it. It's great words of advice. And Evan, I just want to commend you for being a voice of truth and uh, really using your challenges, your health story to help inspire so many other people, having such a powerful and positive voice when it comes to that. And you're helping people all around the world. So just uh, really thankful to have you in this field, helping people and really thankful to have you as part of the Keto Edge Summit. So thanks so much, guys. It's evanbrand.com. Check him out. If you're looking for a practitioner, you couldn't find a better one than Evan. You can sit right there in your house, look at him on your webcam and work with him. He'll help guide you. So, so uh, no commute needed, right? He'll work with you virtually and um, really help figure out a plan with you to get healthy and well. So Evan, thanks so much again for being a part of the Keto Edge Summit. And uh, for all the listeners out there, hopefully you got a tremendous amount of value uh, in this interview. And if so, please share it with somebody else. You know, sharing is caring. And so pass this along, let them know about the summit and uh, you might make a huge difference in their lives. So be blessed everybody, bye-bye. Well, that's all for this show. And I wanna thank you again for spending your valuable time with me today. And if there was something you heard in this interview that you have questions on or you wanna dive into deeper, then drjockers.com is the best place to go. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider taking just a quick moment and giving us a great review. Your reviews help us influence more people and transform more lives. And if you took something valuable away from this episode, then please share it with someone in your life you know it can help. We'll see you soon on a future podcast. Be blessed, everybody.